Welcome to Cleaning Up with Debbie Sardone, where America's top cleaning expert shows you the ins and outs of keeping a clean home and a clean business. From expert advice to cutting-edge interviews, Debbie uses her 30 years experience to bring you the insight you need to be cleaning up. And now, here's your host, Debbie Sardone. Welcome to another episode of Cleaning Up with Debbie Sardone on the Real News Communications Network. I'm Debbie Sardone, your host, and we are going to help you become an author today. Did you know that 81% of Americans feel they have a book inside them? And around 80,000 books get published every single year in the United States. People, (laughs) we've got a story to tell. Americans have a lot to say. Now, some experts say most of these books that are published are not needed, not wanted, and not in any way remotely necessary. And I'm not going to quote my source because I don't necessarily agree that that's the way it has to be. It's just that too many people approach their book writing projects with the wrong goal in mind with the wrong ambition in mind, and with absolutely no strategy whatsoever. So how do you avoid writing a book that no one will read? In our next segment, we have expert guest Mike Fickling with Keepsake Biographies to help us answer that question exactly. But first, we have to figure out what to write in the first place. There are so many people with a book inside of them, and they feel like, well, I just don't have an expert or an expertise in writing. And, you know, what would I write about anyway? Yet they have this book inside of them. What on earth would I write about? Think about what drives you, where your passion is in life, and sometimes it's actually not related to the business you're in. So first you have to figure out what exactly do you want to write. You know you've wanted to write a book. You've known there was a book inside of you. And some people get hung up because they think it's supposed to be about the business they're in. And maybe it isn't. I know for myself, I do have a passion for writing books specifically on business to help people that are in my industry. I have an expertise. I know I can help. And that's my passion, is helping business owners. I happen to own uh, Buckets and Bows Maid Service, and it's in Louisville, Texas. We service Flower Mound and Highland Village area. And I have an idea for a book that helps homeowners. Just some practical tips for cleaning their home. Some of those cleaning hacks that you read online, some work, some don't. And that would be the perfect book as, a, as the owner of a cleaning service. I happen to be working on a book right now called Cleaning Up for a Living, How to Make a Million Dollars Cleaning Houses. That's a business book. That would be the theme of that book. It's really not consumer. Uh, It's really not a book for the consumer, although individuals might read it and get inspired in their own uh, business. But it would be a very specific book for people who are already in the cleaning industry or want to be in the cleaning industry. Maybe the book inside of you is more about life experiences. There are many, many people who have written books that relate to the reader on a personal 
level. Has nothing to do with business. Has nothing to do with cooking or household cleaning tips. It's about life experiences. And only you have those unique experiences that you've gone through. So think about what is that book inside of you. And then some people just want a a practical tips book. Practical tips on how to cook a meal in 30 minutes. Or how to make a gourmet meal on a shoestring budget. Or, you know, how to make the best pizzas in the world. And just an entire book on your food knowledge or your love of food. Some people are interested in writing books on humor. Um, I, I knew a man who was a pastor who developed a side career writing humorous books. Of course, they were clean. <laughs> but... Uh, that had nothing to do per se with his day job. He wanted to write some really funny books about his family. He had five kids. So think about what really gets you excited. What do you love to share when you are with a group of people? Um, If you're a female, you're with a group of women. What do you guys love to talk about? It's very possible that that is the book inside of you. You just need to pull it out. And then of course, number two, you've got to figure out why your book is unique and what void it fills in the marketplace. I'll give you an example. A book I wrote a few years ago called Barternomics. I couldn't find a really good book that gave specific examples on how to use barter in your business. I mean, there were all kinds of books written with the technical advice on how to execute barter, but nothing that gave great ideas on uh, exactly what to do with things you barter for and how you can barter more for things that you never dreamed of bartering for. And so I wrote the book Barternomics. It doesn't have a whole lot to do with cleaning per se, but I give tons of examples of how I use Buckets and Bows Maid Service to barter with people who have services that I need, like web development services, graphic design services, print services, There's all kinds of things that people don't think of. I even barter for things that I never plan to use. So people think, well, I don't want to barter with that person because I don't need uh, nail salon gift certificates or I don't need uh, massage certificates. So I'm not going to barter with that person. Well, in our cleaning company, we barter for things like that. And we can take those gift certificates, let's say, to a nice massage and turn around and give those to our employees. So I wrote the book, Barternomics as just to have a a way to open doors and conversations with other business owners that I want to barter with. And I felt there was a need in that book space for practical advice on what you can barter for and what you can do with things that you barter for that you couldn't quite figure out what you needed it for. So Barternomics, you can actually get it on Amazon. And then you've got to define your audience for your book. If you think you're going to write a book that's all things to everybody, then it's going to be one of those, you know, 80,000 books that nobody's interested in. (laughs) You've got to define your audience before you write your book. Who does this appeal to? And the mistake most business owners make in their business is, oh, well, I'm trying to sell to everybody. That's the first mistake in writing a book. Your book will not be universally relevant. So you've got to define who on earth is interested. I know for my Barternomics book, the people that are interested are people in business who are struggling to pay their bills. 
I'm not necessarily writing the person who's looking for ways to barter. I'm looking for people in business who are trying to figure out how to buy the things that they need in their business when they don't have any money, when they're cash strapped. So my specific audience for Barternomics isn't the person that's already bartering. It's the person that doesn't have a clue how barter could change their business. And so you've got to define your audience and how your book would serve them. Maybe you're going to write an inspirational book. How would that serve the people that are reading your book? And you can't be generic. Well, everybody needs inspiration. If you're generic, then your results will be generic. And you'll be on that pile of 80,000 books that nobody reads. And so you have to define your audience. And then you've got to define your goal. What is your goal for your book? If your goal is to be a number one bestseller on the New York Times list, then you will probably join the, the 80,000 book writers out there that are disappointed that they never make it to the top of the list. If that's your only goal, then you've got to invest in all the resources that are available to you to help you get known so you can make that list. And you've got to write such an amazing book that will be able to compete with the top 10. And you may never reach that goal. So define a realistic goal that is attainable. I'll, I'll give you an example of my goal for the book I'm writing, Cleaning Up for a Living, How to Make a Million Dollars Cleaning Houses. Well, the goal of that book is to elevate my consulting business I'm not trying to sell a million copies. There aren't even a million maid services in the, in the United States. I'm not trying to sell that book for money and income. I'm trying to demonstrate my ability to help small business owners who need my consulting and training services. So I have a unique goal for that book. And the goal that I have for my Barternomics book is to open doors and conversations with other business owners who have no idea that they really want to barter with me. They just don't know it yet. So you've got to define your goal for that book. That way you won't be disappointed when you meet that goal. I uh, actually know a, a, a friend of mine who's a realtor and she wrote a book called One Cent Lemonade and Million Dollar Deals. She is a commercial realtor. I don't think she wrote that book to make her millions there. She's made her millions in the commercial real estate industry. She wrote her book as a fantastic way to open doors and to demonstrate her expertise. And it's a powerful tool. She has a clearly defined goal for her book and hopefully we'll have her as a guest on our show. So goals, make sure you have a goal for the book, one that you know you are going to reach and you are going to nail. And, uh, and, and maybe your goal is to be a best-selling author. It, that very well may be, but that doesn't have to be the goal for your book. And so I can't wait to talk with our expert who's going to give us some, some very specific advice, advice. So don't go away. After the break, we'll have expert advice on just exactly who should write a book and how. Be sure and tell us about your book on our Facebook page. Visit Cleaning Up with Debbie Sardone and feel free to do a little bit of shameless self-promotion. We'd love to know about your book and where it can be found. So stay with us. More of Cleaning Up with Debbie Sardone is next on the Real News Communications Network. Who 
says green can't be clean. Here's a tip that many professional home cleaning services already know. You can power through the grime in less time with our 100% naturally safe speed cleaning products. Don't waste your time with the products that don't work. Our non-toxic cleaners are safer on pets and people, yet tough on dirt. If you want to clean your home in half the time, visit speedcleaning.com and sign up for our speed cleaning tip of the week. We know it's not easy dealing with a loved one who drinks too much, but there's help and hope at Elanon Family Groups. For a meeting near you, call 1-888-4-ELANON. That's 1-888-425-2666. You're listening to Cleaning Up with Debbie Sardone on the Real News Communications Network. Welcome back. I'm Debbie, host of Cleaning Up with Debbie Sardone. Our expert guest this segment is Mike Fickling, a retired paramedic fighter turned newspaper editor turned writer. He splits his time living in Highland Village and on his boat that's his absolutely favorite getaway place. And he and wife Lori, who was our expert guest last time, own a company called Keepsake Biographers, where they help people get their stories written and preserved. I love the way you describe that, Mike. Thanks so much for being on our show today. Well, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. So, Mike, in our last segment, we were talking about writing that story that's inside of you. And many, many people are frustrated because they feel like there is a story that needs to be told or a book that they need to, to write. And, of course, oftentimes we just don't even know the steps to get started. But there may be some people listening to this broadcast that are thinking, you know, I've always wanted to write a book, but I don't know what that book would be about. I'm not an expert in business. I really have a passion to write that book. What, where do they start? What, what about the person who says, I don't have a book inside me? You, you may not, but you have a passion. Now, as a biographer, we believe that everyone has a story to tell, and it's our job to take that story and make it pertinent and make it in, in, uh, interesting. Um, well, but, that's an interesting statement. Everyone has a story to tell, and the fact that everyone has a biography <laughs> is right. kind of an interesting concept. It is. Uh, you may write this, bio, if you write your bio, it may be for an audience of one. Uh, you may con have convinced yourself that no one's going to be interested, no one will buy it, and that's okay. You might have be the only one interested today, but to go forward a couple of generations, someone down the line would be very, very happy that their ancestor captured his biography for the family. Oh, I love that yeah. because I would love to have had in my hands a biography, a biography of my grandmother or great-grandmother wouldn't that be a treasure? Right. And I've seen lots of journals that were written uh, from various people in a pencil in, on a piece of paper that it doesn't mean anything to anyone except the author at the time. But you go forward 60, 70 years, three generations, and there's, there's a real need for the, the family to have that biography. It's like the Diary of Anne Frank. Uh, she wrote it for an, uh, for an audience of one to escape the realities of a war, and it's one of the best-selling books of all time. You know, that's an interesting concept because a lot of people think about writing a book to make a fortune or make right. money or to be on the bestsellers list. And really, you're bringing to light something that I think people oftentimes have a burning desire, but they just don't go there. And that is to write your story, even if you think it's for the audience of one, whether it's a, a therapeutic project that you need to write 
or it's simply for your children. Could you imagine what an emotional gift that would be at Christmas if grandma said, hey, everybody, I've written a book. It's been printed, and here you go as a gift. I, I can't imagine what that would be like. It is special. Um, it's an emotional time. It's a very emotional thing when you present someone with their story or, or if, if they write their own book. For the rest of the family, it's very emotional, and it's uh, it, it changes the way you think about telling your own story. What an incredible niche. I mean, these are things I've never thought of, but, you know, a lot of times people, individuals, don't have confidence, and they're thinking, well, I don't really have a, a story that anyone would be interested. Could maybe a daughter or some grandchildren come to a service like yours and say, we would love for you to write mom's biography. She's still living and she would be happy to do all the interviews that you need and we want to have her biography written even if the individual doesn't have the confidence what if somebody else said could you get involved get those kind of calls all the time uh, we don't know if we're going to do it ourselves or if we need help and they want to know what the process is and i'm happy to discuss the process now uh, but if you can get on the in the internet of course you can google it and you'll find numerous ways to little books that have questions that will step you through your life or where were you born and when and do the chronology and then you can answer the questions and that is a form of biography I tell people all the time if I'm speaking that I can give you my bio in 30 seconds as an intro to be a speaker that is a biography the 30 second version I can give you the one hour version I can give you the six hour version or the 200 page version a bio is a bio, and but they come in all shapes and sizes. You know, that's fabulous. I think what an incredible idea and what an amazing gift that a family could give to themselves and to their loved one who, you know what, they have a story to tell, and grandchildren and generations want to hear that story. So give us some kind of practical advice on what's the best way to get started down this road. Right. How to get started. Um, first, you gotta, you got to be able to think outside the box and forget some of the things you may have learned in grade school and high school. When we are taught to read and to write, we are taught to do so against our will. We don't want to read that book because we have to, and we certainly don't want to write a report about it. And that's how we get introduced at a young age to reading and writing. Yeah, you and know my story. Yeah. <laughs> I was a terrible student. Right. Well, and I wasn't the best student either. My English teacher would be shocked if she uh, saw me sitting here now. But to get started, you have to overcome that uh, that initial dislike. It's a chore. It's it a is. chore. You have to stop seeing it as a chore. It is. As we get older, though, that chore may turn into a passion. And if it does turn into a passion, just listen to yourself. Uh, don't assume that you can't do anything. Never, ever assume that you can't. If you have a passion for telling your story, go for it. Be optimistic. Uh, find your inspiration and pursue it. Your inspiration is an ongoing thing. You may want to surround yourself with people that have the same kind of urge. Find them in your, in your church or your networking groups. And when you have that discussion, open up and, and share it with each other, and it will lead to some great things. That's pretty much how we got started, uh, and um, it's paid off big dividends oh wow well you know you you raised a good point because if it is seen as a chore we're going to keep putting it off and putting it off and it never happens right. so if we go ahead and get started we get some inspiration <clears throat> how often should we write in order to make this book emerge uh, one of my favorite quotes of all time is from Stephen King one of the most successful authors in history and he has a book called on writing and 
when people ask him for the millionth time, how do I get started writing? His response is, and I quote, write. Just write. Carry around your mm. pencil and your paper, whatever it takes. You can write in the notes section of your phone like I did the other night at a, at a, at a function. Just write. Write something every day. You'll develop a, a good work habits, and you will help to overcome the writer's block, the dreaded writer's block that everyone's always talking about. So in about. other words, when you say just write, stop looking at the elephant and scratching your head going, how am I going to eat the entire right. elephant? Right. Because the answer is one bite at a time. Yes. That's Take how you that eat first, an elephant. Take that first bite. Absolutely. And and listen to your intuition. Listen to your, your inner self. If it if it feels like you're onto something, well, listen to it. Do it. Pursue it. Uh, don't let anyone stop you. And be persistent and uh, stay at it. One of the ways that I can force myself to write, if I'm just sitting somewhere waiting for an appointment and it's quiet, I'm not in public where I'll look a little weird, is I will use my iPhone to voice text what I want to write. I've written articles by talking into my iPhone. So I pull up the little note app, that little yellow note app that's on the home screen, and I tap the little voice recorder, and I will narrate my article or whatever I'm trying to write as opposed to trying to sit there and press all those little keys on my phone with my long fingernails. So just do it. Just isn't, write. Yes. Isn't technology fabulous? You can do that. You can find uh, your own way to get it done. A lot of kids can text faster than I can type. Uh, just write down the bones. That, that, that's the, off the uh, title of a book. So, write down the bones. So, of course, once you get started and you found your way to get yourself writing every day, what happens when you get writer's block? Because I know sometimes I get stuck and I just can't move forward. What do you do? Well, Keep in mind that writer's block is, is, is a state of mind uh, for most of the time. Uh, if I get writer's block, it might last for two minutes. Uh, I know of some people that will last for days and they agonize over it. It's just anguish. Um, for hours it, with me. Hours. hours. Yeah. Well, th- just relax, focus, and go back and read the previous chapter, get in the mood, and get find your rhythm again. Once I get my first line done, the very first line done, it's just a race for my fingers to keep up with my head. It just flows if you will allow it to flow. Don't do the paralysis by analysis. Let it happen. Guilty. Yeah, I, yes, <laughs> most everyone is. Let it happen and just and just go with the flow. Don't edit while you're writing. Write down the bones. Get it all down. And uh, you'll be surprised at uh, how you can edit it later and you'll be far ahead of the game. Well, you know, sometimes we can overwrite because there's so much in our head. Just briefly, can you tell us how do you know when you're finished, especially when you're writing a biography? You don't always know when you're finished. That's the thing that a lot of people don't understand. Just keep writing. As long as the story is coming, keep writing. When you turn it over to be edited, they'll help you find the end. Well, you've been listening to Cleaning Up with Debbie Sardone, and our expert guest today is Mike Fickling with Keepsake Biographers. Don't go away. When we come back, Mike will tell us what to do next. And be sure to follow us on Facebook and tell us what you think. And if you're listening on iTunes, please give us a review. Just click that little tab and tell us how much you like the show. More of Cleaning Up with Debbie Sardone is next on the Real News Communications Network. 
The Center for Animal Research and Education is a nonprofit providing a permanent home to over 50 abused and abandoned big cats in DFW. Come out for a tour and meet our amazing lions, tigers, and leopards. For more information, go to carerescuetexas.com. We're asking folks about marriage. Marriage makes me think of sports. You know, teamwork, dedication. Okay, let's see what people say. Let's say your marriage is a sport. What sport would it be? Basketball. Surfing. You have to be a team sport. A lot of back and forth. A lot of people watching. So how many people are influenced by your marriage? Hundreds. You really think about the ripple effect. It's like a wave. (laughs) (laughs) Want to improve your marriage? For ideas, go to foryourmarriage.org. A message from the Catholic Church. You're listening to Cleaning Up with Debbie Sardone on the Real News Communications Network. This is Debbie, your host, and I'm back with expert writer Mike Fickling of Keepsake Biographers. And he's helping us write our book today. Or at least he's helping us get started on pulling that book out of our head. So, Mike, you've helped us so far figure out our story and that we actually have a story if we had any doubts and how to get started in some practical ways on pushing past that writer's block. So what do I do next? How do I edit my work once I've got it down on paper or in my computer? Yes, we get that question a lot. Editing and writing are two totally different skills. Personally, I never edit my work. I write it, I send it, I save it, and I send it to my copy editor, who happens to be my wife. I'm very fortunate. I'm lucky guy. He's very lucky, <laughs> very lucky, and she's ex- excellent at it. Uh, ooh, that was terrible. And she's okay. Let's go back. Yeah. Uh, can you stop it right there, it. Kevin? Or do you want to? Okay, he can just edit that out. Yeah. Okay, great. It's awful. So it'll be right after my wife. Yeah. Um. So I had asked the question, which you're going to about to answer. How do I? So how how do how do, how do we edit our work? And you started to tell us, don't do it yourself. Yeah, personally, I never edit my, my work. Once I write it, I save it, and I send it to my copy editor. Um, my copy editor happens to be my wife. I'm very fortunate that way. <laughs> Lucky guy. But if a lot of people do edit their own work, and I recommend if you're going to do that, take what you've written and put it on a shelf for like 30 days if you have that freedom to do so. Good point. Take it. Get it off your mind. Don't just forget about it for a while, and then you'll go back and you'll look at it with a fresh set of eyes and a new perspective. We get tunnel vision. Yes. When we're reading our own stuff, we get tunnel vision. Yes, and then you get frustrated, and then you get you when you start editing and cutting up what you've written, and you, then you get frustrated, then you're in trouble because now you it's easy to spiral, and the whole you project. You stay focused. So right. do you recommend, then, that we not edit our own work is that the best policy or are you saying go ahead and edit your own work if you can do it in a disciplined way that is generally speaking that is the best policy however some people just can't turn their work over their passion over they work so hard on it they can't turn it over to a third party and accept those changes and I think that happens because they don't have confidence in the third party because I believe if you're working with a professional, somebody that knows how to do this, they've done enough interviewing with you to know your voice, then you could hand that over to the third party that's highly competent in identifying your voice. Because I think they're worried that it's, it's not going to be written in their voice. Right. A professional editor, they, they can capture all that. The, the real hard part is accepting yourself that they've changed what's on your mind and what's in, in your heart. And 
some people can accept those changes. Some people just can't. Exactly. Well, I would want my work to be better. And I know if I have a second pair of eyes working on it, then I'm going to be more likely to embrace it. And I assume if we see something that really isn't in our voice, we can just suggest that's just not how I feel, that's not my sentiment, or that's not the way I would say it. Absolutely. So editors will work with you. They don't have, uh, you know, they're not sensitive. Right. And they don't share your passion. They don't, they don't not intimately uh, knowledgeable about the subject matter necessarily. And they may not understand that something they cut out was really, really important exactly. to you. Exactly. So they're, they're you. flexible. Yes. But the main thing is that a second pair of eyes is better at editing than maybe trying to critique and edit your own work. So then what's next? What, what, what would be the next step in this process? Um, well, after you've gone through the editing process and you've, uh, you feel good about the project, uh, then you go about promoting your book, uh, getting it published. That's the hard part. Uh, it's the hard <laughs> part. It is. It's not as hard as it used to be, however. It used to, you had to endure uh, stacks of rejection slips. That was the, the traditional way of getting a book published. Nowadays, it's changed. It's changed a lot. Tell Amazon. us about those changes because yeah. I know the world has changed in the in the area of digital print and digital sales. Yes, uh, Amazon changed the game, the publishing game forever. W through Amazon, you can go in and publish your book online in a digital format. You can make it available through iPads or computers, and you can charge. Two ninety nine for every time someone downloads your book because it's not necessarily printed. It's not. It can be on now. You can go for let's say a year and you might sell two thousand. Two thousand people might pay ninety nine cents to read your book, or ten thousand. Well, it, if you are popular enough on the internet, then you may want to consider actually printing the books and and, uh, and making them available in a different format. You'll reach a whole new, a uh, whole different. Audience. So it's really a great place to test your skills at writing this book and not spend a fortune maybe printing up, you know, 20,000 books, even if you did self-publishing, that you're stuck with because you wanted to get the cost down and you find out that maybe it isn't, you, you don't know how to promote it or maybe it isn't as interesting as you thought. Maybe you wrote a novel. So it's a great place to test. Right, and you don't kill your inspiration this way. You don't go through the rejection and the, oh my gosh, month after month goes by and you and you lose your hope. You lose your inspiration and your passion. This way you can have a little instant gratification. Uh, it's out there. And even if you have three or four people sign up, uh, it'll keep you inspired to, to pursue the book. Maybe you want to take it back and rewrite it or expand it or put it into print. You have options that are positive, and they feed your inspiration to proceed. You know, a lot of very famous authors had many, many rejections before they finally published that famous book. I believe the Harry Potter book was one of them where Ms. Rowland was rejected numerous times. And I think oftentimes that author that's amazing stops at the 10th rejection and then does not pursue. And with opportunities like Amazon, as you've described, that gives you a chance to publish your book. Let the reader decide if it's going to be rejected instead of a publisher, and who knows what would happen. The age-old story. They just don't understand what you've written, and, uh, but that's not the end-all. 
you can find an audience if you just keep looking. Exactly. So promoting your book, obviously that's difficult. You have found this outlet, Amazon. Are there, are there other ways to promote your book and get the word out about your book? Oh, certainly. Uh, you might write a book, a cookbook, for example, and just it has a long shelf life. So you can can promote that through social media. Start locally and get it started and then expand your geographic area on the Internet uh, through social media. And the next thing you know, you'll get discovered. It might take five years to be an overnight success. Exactly. But you can get discovered and it take off. Uh, but you just have to be persistent and just stay focused and keep your inspiration. Don't you know, give up. Social media has made it so easy for people to promote things that they never would have had a budget to promote and advertise. So you raise a really good point is once you write your book, use your social media platform. You have friends, you have relatives. They have friends and relatives who will share your link whether it's on Amazon or on your own website or available on your Facebook page or wherever. What a great idea. Yeah. Uh, then you can have the satisfaction of not only writing uh, a book that people want to read, but you can publish it and, and market it and get it out there. And it's a, it's a deep sense of accomplishment when you, can, when you can do it all. Now, shifting gears a little bit, because we've been talking about biographies, which is what your expertise is in, uh, oftentimes people in business, are, are, there's a need to write books. Or, or is there a need? Let me back that one up. That was terrible. <laughs> My question is going to be about... <coughs> How often are people called upon? So let me shift gears there. So, Mike, shifting gears just a little bit away from the biographies, which is what your business is uh, expert at doing, helping people write their biographies. Is there a need for people in business to write business books or how often are people called upon to write a business book? Oh, far more often, often than they are comfortable. Uh, almost daily. Uh, with today's internet, you have to be branded and, and work with social media, and you have to be able to present yourself in an intelligent way. And you may or may not have the skill to do that. A lot of people don't. A lot of people, are. it just scares them to death, the thought of putting their thoughts. So they paper. have this expertise that people really like. Maybe they do a lot of speaking and training, but they need a book to demonstrate it, and they're intimidated to write the book. Right. It's a perfect example uh, in our newspaper days, we'd have a lot of some intelligent people, highly educated people, lawyers and doctors that would want to write for our publication. And we would give them a shot, but it didn't take long to figure out that they were fabulous doctors, but they were just not meant to be a writer. Terrible writers. So then you either had to suffer through editing that material or just sorry, this is not going to work out, and, and writing it yourself and then just uh, sharing it with them. So this is how keepsake biographers would help somebody who really doesn't have that skill set and doesn't have the confidence or the ability. So I assume the best thing they can do is work with a company like yours, keepsake biographers, to uh, get that book written, whether it's a business book or a biography or or whatever. So I'll have to say thank you so much, Mike Fickling of Keepsake Biographers, for that expert advice, the advice you shared with us today. And if you'd like to get in touch with Mike to help you write that book that you need to write or you have a passion to write or just to learn more and to how to get your story out, please visit us on Facebook. Find Cleaning Up with Debbie Sardone. And let's get you connected with Mike Fickling with Keepsake 
biographers. Now don't go away, we'll be right back with more on Cleaning Up with Debbie Sardone. I was up before the dawn. More of Cleaning Up with Debbie Sardone is next on the Real and News really Communications Network. For America's wounded warriors, coming home can be a battle in itself. The USO provides ways for all of us to support our wounded warriors. Join us. Visit USO.org to learn how you can make a difference in their lives. Who says green can't be clean? Here's a tip that many professional home cleaning services already know. You can power through the grime in less time with our 100% naturally safe speed cleaning products. Don't waste your time with the products that don't work. Our non-toxic cleaners are safer on pets and people, yet tough on dirt. If you want to clean your home in half the time, visit speedcleaning.com and sign up for our speed cleaning tip of the week. You're listening to Cleaning Up with Debbie Sardone on the Real News Communications Network. Welcome back. This is Debbie, your host on Cleaning Up with Debbie Sardone. And we've been talking today about help you become an author. We talked in our first segment about how 81% of Americans feel like they have a book inside of them, but how nearly 80,000 books are published each year and so many of them never meet a need or get read or have any relevance to the reader. So how do we get past that? And we've been talking about that in previous segments, but let's get practical for just a minute. So you've defined what you want to write about. You know you have a passion and you are ready to get started. And our previous guest, Mike Fickling, shared with us some simple, practical ways of approaching this project, which might seem absolutely overwhelming. And I believe when you break things down into small, bite-sized pieces, it makes it possible for you to do it. You know, I recently got nailed by a professional colleague that when he asked me uh, when I could deliver something that I told him I would give him, a project... And I said, well, I'll try to get that to you at the end of the day. He looked me in the eye, and he nailed me. And he said, you know, try means you're not committed. And he was right. And I said, you're absolutely right. He said, why don't you give me a commitment to get this project to me by the end of the week? And then if you want to try to get it to me by the end of the day, that's fine. And And I said, you know, you're right. I know this stuff. And when you say... I'm going to try to do something, you are not committing to do it. And you have to remember that if it's important, then you have to give it a date, give it a start date, and give it a deadline. Because as long as you're trying to write that book, it will never happen. And I've learned that lesson the hard way. The more I try to write my book, the the less it becomes a priority. And the day that I put writing on my calendar as an appointment and I block off an hour is the day I start writing my book. So just being practical, you have to commit to start and trying to start is not a commitment. It's probably never going to happen. A year from now, you're going to go, man, I wish I had started my book. Five years from now, you're going to look back and say, I meant to start my book. So don't commit to try, commit to starting. And just like I say all the time, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? Writing a book starts out small. You might set a goal to write just 300 words a day. 
And that really is plenty because it's overwhelming for busy people to decide, oh, I've got to sit down and spend several hours starting my book or writing chapter one. Just commit to writing 300 words a day. It actually goes by quickly. Before you start those 300 words, I recommend that you define your table of contents first and that you define the audience, the ideal audience of this book first, because that will help guide your writing process. Define your audience by the person who would be the most interested in writing your book. If it's a biography and you're not famous, then it's probably family members and friends and uh, future descendants. If you're a, a speaker or a consultant or you own a business, then define your audience who would be most interested in your technical skill that you're going to write about. I know as a speaker, I feel uh, the pressure to have a book, not because I need to sp sell a million copies, but just to demonstrate an additional credential when a speaker's bureau is trying to book me for an event. You know, it, it, it's, it's a tool. It's kind of like a big, fancy, gigantic business card. So define your purpose for your book, and that way you're not under pressure to sell a million copies. You just need that book to maybe be in the hands of 100 people at an audience when, when you're speaking to an audience or uh, a book that you're able to give to a prospective client whom you're trying to close a big deal for your business or in your consulting business. So you define that audience first before you start writing. You set up your table of contents and you create your chapters. You do that first before you start writing. Because if you don't create your chapters, the writing can be endless in chapter one and you have covered three chapters in chapter one and that becomes overwhelming. So sit down and think about what are the 10 chapters of my book or 12 chapters of my book. And since most books are anywhere from 180 to 200 pages, w wait for book number two to to you know write chapter 15 and chapter 20 and chapter 25 don't try to squeeze 25 chapters into one book you may never finish so identify 10 of the most important things that you could say about your business or about your product or your service or about your life if it's a biography and identify those 10 or 12 chapters it's less overwhelming so when you break it down this is that elephant you're breaking down bite size by bite size then you can see, okay, I'm just going to start chapter one. That is so much easier than to sit down in front of a computer and think, I've got to write an entire book and it starts today. Just focus on writing chapter one. Chapter one, 300 words a day. Now, chapter one might have six or 800 or, or 2,000 words, but start with chapter one and 300 words a day. It's, it's taking that one step at a time. And then outline that chapter because once you've defined your chapters for example cleaning up for a living the book that I'm working on my chapters are very specific getting started defining your business model hiring and training the best people marketing and promoting your service so I have very specific chapters in my book once you define your chapter and you're about to sit down and write chapter one just do a brain dump and outline what's going to be included in chapter one rather than just wing it. So you don't have to be a great writer to outline what's going to be included in chapter one. So sit down and outline chapter one and then 
on the next day when you start your writing and you start writing 300 words, then you can devote 300 words to bullet point one of your outline for chapter one. And then tomorrow you can write 300 words on bullet point two in your outline for chapter one. And you keep doing that until you hit all of the bullet points in your outline for chapter one. It could be day five that you're ready to start chapter two. It could be day 25. It depends on how long your book is going to be. But if you break it down and make it simple and use an outline and use chapters, a table of contents, and 300 words at a time, you're much more likely to actually accomplish your goal. And then I recommend you set aside time to work on your book every single day or whatever fits you. It could be that you're going to work on your book every Monday morning or Monday mornings and Tuesday nights, but set aside a very specific time and call it an important uh, date on your calendar so it becomes a priority and don't allow anyone to take that appointment away from you unless it's an absolute emergency. So it's, it's like committing to working out. If you say, I'm going to work out when I have time, you never will. But if you say, I'm going to work out every morning between 8.30 and 9.30, and you put that on your calendar of events, then no one can come along and say, well, I see you have an opening at 8.30. I have assistants who set up my calendar and book consulting appointments for me to do with, with business owners, cleaning business owners. And I block off a time every single day for working out. They don't know what I'm doing from 8.30 to 9.30. It's, it's nobody's business. All they know is, oh, she's not available at 8, 8.30 in the morning. How would 10 a.m. work for you? And so the same thing with your writing. Put it on your calendar as an appointment with yourself and don't allow anyone to take that uh, appointment away from you. And if you do, if there is something that's so important that you can't keep that appointment with yourself, then reschedule your appointment just like you would with any important uh, colleague. Take that appointment and drag it to a different day that you can commit to and make up that time and write those 300 words on that day. And you may be able to write your 300 words every single day and crank that book out in no time. I think it's the overwhelming task of looking at the entire project that keeps us from getting started. And then choose a unique place to write. And I don't literally mean writing with pen and paper. For most of us, that means writing on our computer or dictating in the notes feature of our phone, which is what I use. I like to pull up the app notes and push the little microphone in the corner. And instead of typing, I like to, uh, dictate my my books and my articles and my blogs so pick a place to write that's inspiring and quiet and away from distractions I recommend that you turn on the do not disturb feature of your phone and set an alarm so that you know you you're going to write for one hour or write for 30 minutes or you stop at your 300 word mark but set a unique place to write where you will be free from distractions and you'll be able to stay focused on writing This will help you stay accountable to yourself, keeping your appointments, uh, setting aside a place that's inspiring to write. Some people go to Starbucks to write. Uh, Some people go to a quiet restaurant or go to uh, a a property, some place on a piece of property where it's quiet to write. But all of these things will help you stay accountable and stay focused on writing. So I can't wait to hear about the book 
that you have written or the book that you are writing. And I hope you will visit our Facebook page, Cleaning Up with Debbie Sardone, and tell us the name of your book or, or share the, the chapters that you've written so that we'll know about the book that's coming up. And make sure you never miss an episode of Cleaning Up with Debbie Sardone. And visit our iTunes page. You can listen there. You can share it on your social media. And by all means, please write a review and tell us what you think. Thank you for listening to Cleaning Up with Debbie Sardone on the Real News Communications Network. For more information on cleaning up, visit us on Facebook and Twitter or at DebbieSardone.com.